now entering the Horror Sanctum. to the Horror Sanctum. I'm Jay with John, Kellen, and TJ, and we are excited to be joined today by local horror host, Dr. Gang Green. Uh, Doctor, thank you, and welcome to the Sanctum. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the invitation to join the Sanctum. The only thing better would be a horror sanitarium. Hey, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so we asked the good doctor to pick a flick that he loves uh, for us to talk about, and he landed on what most believe to be the greatest anthology film of all time, most people, not everyone, right, Kellen? And that would be 1982's Creep Show. Yes, so Creep Show, 1982, George Romero's Creep Show, uh, one of my favorite George Romero films, uh, probably right up there with the Dead trilogy. It's probably right, right after that for me. Uh, George Romero, surprisingly, uh, a director that's just so underrated, and and even some of his kind of offbeat wilder stuff that doesn't even really fit the genre of horror necessarily is actually still pretty decent stuff uh i, I mean if you go through like i did one time his whole uh filmography <laughs> he doesn't really have a terrible film and unless you count survival of the dead it's not really great but aside from that i mean he was near the end of his career we'll give him that but creep show creep show a is 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 probably single-handedly the the film that brought back horror anthologies into the mainstream and and kind of really revived a whole series of them that come out in the 80s into the early 90s uh they had kind of waned with the the amicus uh amicus in the 60s really brought them back in 1965 with the one that docs representing my personal favorite dr terror's house of horrors in 1965, uh, Amicus was a, a very, very small group uh, in Britain that uh, founded to basically compete with Hammer, which was the big uh, British uh, horror uh, production house that, that made all the, the remakes, basically, of the universal horror films. Uh, we did on one of our episodes, The Horror of Dracula, uh, the first Christopher Lee Dracula. And uh, they realized this this format that they weren't the originators of the format i think the the first horror anthology i'm aware of is dead of night from 1941 uh which is actually still one of the best ones and has one of the the original creepy dummy doll that comes to life kind there's of segment there's one called waxwork from like the 1920s oh that's true yeah. i forgot about that one i don't know when quidon was either that's that's pretty early. oh quidon that's yeah that's uh like 1960 61 yeah. was that a was that a kurosawa that wasn't kurosawa it was his era though yeah yeah there's a good criterion release i used to have that dvd but uh yeah it's it's uh they definitely brought him out 
but it was more of a function of of budget that what they found with with the amicus because amicus probably made a dozen or more of these and each of them found an audience but what they found was they could make them on the cheap you could film a segment in like a week and you could have a, a film done and and you know two or three weeks and then put it out and you could actually film them all at the same time using different directors and just kind of compartmentalize the stories, do 15, 20 minute segments, piece them together. And now, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Now all these independent horror labels are doing very similar things with like 1031 series, different things like that, that harken back to the days of, you know, tells from the crypt and uh ec comics all that stuff that that really creep show is a love letter to creep show is basically the love letter to ec comics the vault of horror tells from the crypt all of those great old comics that before the comic code come in and said that's too violent well we gotta burn these and <laughs> get rid of these can't make these anymore um that was the thing that inspired a whole generation and that would have been the generation that uh george romero and and his contemporaries were coming up with and, and loved so much so that when they got an opportunity to kind of revive this anthology genre they were able to pull together an amazing ensemble cast uh all-star cast of the 80s you got you know hal holbrook uh leslie Nielsen, you got Ted Danson, just just a, it's it was like the perfect storm of, and then getting Tom Savini to work work on the the special effects. It was kind of the perfect storm to be just that perfect horror anthology of of the eighties. Now we're not talking about sequels. <laughs> sequels are, to, in my estimation, are diminishing returns for sure. But uh, this one will always be the classic, Doc. You're in the sanctum. What, what what say you on the classic creep show? Yeah, it's it's not only my favorite anthology film, it's my favorite movie, period, probably. Oh, wow. A lot of times, if you put me under the gun, that's what I'll say. If I don't say, <laughs> well, it depends on my mood that day. If I don't say anything by Vincent Price, okay? Fair. This is the next, the next best. Um, but no, it really is. And I, I do love it. Um, I think to me, it's a, it's just a pitch perfect movie. I rewatched it again last night. It just brings me so much joy. It's one of my favorite the, theatrical experiences too, was seeing it in the theater when I really wasn't supposed to go. My parents had said, no, you can't go see that. And so then my real dad um, took me and my brother to go see it and snuck us in. And of course it blew my little mind, you know, I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I just think every every um, segment is solid. I don't think that I hear people say that um, that it's an uneven movie, and I don't think it is. To me, every single segment works for me, and I get that it's a, a subjective thing. Some people like things more than others. I get it, but for me, every one of them works. Everyone is perfect. I love the humor. It's a perfect representation of EC Comics. They get what so many of the modern day anthology guys don't get and that is you've got to have that sense of come up it's your bad guys have to get what's coming to them in the end and that's what made the end the ec comics work so much that shambling corpse coming back from the dead to get revenge 
you know, that's that's the formula right there. I guess it's a little different with the Jordy Farrell story, but that's your comic relief of the of the movie. And I think Stephen King does a good job in his acting. I know he said that he kind of resented Romero a little bit for making him go so big and over the top, but that's what makes it so good. He's ridiculous and it's fun. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I, it's to me, it's just a lot of fun. It's my, I will, let's put it this way. It's, I think it's the best modern anthology movie and I classify modern as post 1980. So I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. so pre 80, you still get all those 70s amicus anthologies like you know tales from the crypt and vault of horror and you know um uh, uh, from beyond the grave all that stuff yeah. which is great i don't think any studio made them better than amicus yeah uh, agreed but then yeah it's it's a it's a solid movie in my opinion i, I agree too favorite um romero movie if you pin me down even though i say it's my favorite movie of all time if you ask me what my favorite Romero movie is, I have to give so much respect to Night of the Living Dead that I would just on sheer historical bias lean that way. But I think Creepshow in some ways is a more entertaining watch. Yeah, well, Night of the Living Dead totally created probably the most popular subgenre of the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, and I, the, uh, I think Stephen King being over the top is what made it for me. Uh, that that whole segment like he was just so ridiculous and you know by the time we get around to watching it like my age is like we know who Stephen King is he's established in our lives and that's not how we see Stephen King and that's what made it enjoyable for me um, I can kind of see the flow issues to it to, to a degree I think that um, the fluffy one is maybe a, a tad slow a little too long um, I've rewatched it today for it's probably been probably six or seventh time I've ever watched it, but it didn't take anything away from me. Um, it's one of my top five anthology films, if not number one, like we were talking earlier, like I'm a big fan of body bags. Like I love body bags. Yeah. You know, that's only three stories and I can appreciate that being simple. Uh, there's one uh, death December. I don't know if you guys have seen that. December. Like it's like 20. I've heard of it. Little <laughs> episodes. Of it. That's insane. That's too much. This one kind of hits the sweet spot. I wish it was a little bit shorter, like maybe hour 45. Um, that that's that's really my only critique of it. Um, but I love I love all the all the scenes. And I honestly I think about Ed Harris's dancing probably once a week. It just <laughs> yes. pops into my head. He just pops in there dancing. <laughs> you know, somewhere in a perfect world, he's dancing with Crispin Glover from yes. Friday Four. Yes. <laughs> That would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad you picked this one because I've been looking for an excuse to, to watch it again anyways. Uh, I'm going to watch Creep Show 2 tomorrow while it's not quite the same. I do still enjoy that one uh, quite a bit. So let's go over to John. Yeah, Creep Show. I grew up watching this on TV. Uh, first thing for me, being a 90s kid, it was Encore. Encore was like how I learned so many great 70s, 80s movies, 90s movies. Night of the Comet, Three O'Clock High, Creep Show, like just all the odd cult type films. I didn't know this was Romero, though, actually, initially. And I think it's just because in my mind, as a kid, I didn't associate uh, Romero with other films outside of the, you know, the Dead trilogy, right? And later on, more than a trilogy. Um, but love George Romero, love all of his films. I would say that even films like Bruiser, kind of an underrated movie. 
from 2000, kind of an odd film, but really sort of uh, very underrated in what it's trying to say in the film. Um, Martin, I love Martin, just recently watched it like maybe five or six months ago. Um, love the music in this film. John Harrison does such a good job. The music is kind of the first thing that stood out to me as a kid. Um, of course, it was used also in the trailer for Thanksgiving by Eli Roth, which is actually going to be a real movie, which is the weirdest thing, right? They're finally doing it. Um, love it. And, you know, as a kid, I was such a Naked Gun fan. The first thing that threw me off about this movie was Leslie Nielsen as a villain in Something to Tide You Over. I just was like, that That was so weird. And then Ted Danson is this sleazy guy. I mean, he's not really a villain, but he's kind of sleazy, you know, as well. So it's like you've got Cheers, you've got Naked Gun, and it's like this weird thing. And that was the first time as a kid that I think I understood that, okay, these people are actors, right? They're not just playing a character always. Although the funny thing about Leslie Nelson in this movie is I read... <laughs> I just read earlier, I didn't know this, that apparently on the set of the film, he walked around with like a fart machine and he would <laughs> randomly play the fart machine before he would start his takes. There's actually, there's actually a clip of him and I think it's on maybe Conan, early Conan days, and it was a little squeeze box that he always carried in his pocket and he would just <laughs> every now and then just at random. Yeah, That's awesome. What so somebody gave it him? to him. Huh? What noise was that again? <laughs> that's that's got to be a real that's got to be a real um but like and another thing galen ross uh she plays becky in the film which is the drowning victim and something to tide you over the wife and the uh person having the affair with ted danson uh she was only in three movies she was in this she was in dawn of the dead and she was in one of my favorites uh madman which is a very underrated like 80s Friday the 13th, the burning type of camp type film. So it's kind of interesting to see her in this in such a small role. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. I think it's great. Um, my favorite segments are Something to Tide You Over and probably The Crate. Um, I just love The Crate. I love, I'm a big Adrian Barbeau fan. I've always loved her and all the Carpenter films. She's always just a great actress. And just her playing that kind of insufferable spouse. I mean, <laughs> and you know, when Fluffy finally gets her, it's just like, it's awesome, right? So yeah, I, I love Creep Show. It's um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's a great film. She's fantastic in everything. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched C Lab 2021, but I think it's episode one or two where they reference her and they're putting their brains in robot bodies, and Murphy wants to put his in an Adrian Barbobot. <laughs> that's awesome he's perfect she'll be at, she's gonna be at Scarefest, so i'm saving money for oh, that nice. already she's great cool. it looks great i got to do a q a with her over at lone wolf before we showed this movie or actually it was after this movie and did a q a with her she's she's fantastic oh awesome so uh we're gonna go down the corridor and go into the disappointments room and we're gonna go over to kellen uh, oh well time to bring the mood down <laughs> um so yeah i watched this for the first time big shock to everyone in the group or anybody that's paid attention to anything related to me in horror um, watched this for the first time yesterday and just could not get into it and i wanted to so bad i wanted to it was i mean it had all the things that 
I should have loved. It did have that kind of tales from the crypt feel, the the pacing and music kind of of the the um, B movies of that time where it was you know that I don't know almost music box kind of you know soundtrack. I just couldn't get into it. I I don't know if it was because the humor was so goofy. I mean, especially Stephen King um, in his part being so over the top kind of pulls you out of it. Um, the The horror in it seemed more just because instead of to be terrifying or creepy or scary. Like there wasn't a moment. There, there was two segments. The the something to tide you over and they're creeping up on you that did have moments where it was kind of, you know, they built on the suspense. It kind of was terrifying, especially, you know, the bugs creeping out, which is obvious obviously they're doing a play on kind of the Howard Hughes kind of ideology. Um, but I just could not get into this film. <laughs> it was, I found myself laughing at the absurdity instead of laughing at the jokes. Um, and, you know, again, it's it kind of surprised me growing up uh, every Saturday night um, watching Mad TV and then Tales from the Crypt. You know, that was me and my cousin's thing every Saturday at my grandmother's house when she was in the bed and couldn't tell what we were watching or she was in the kitchen just getting everything ready for Sunday dinner the next morning. Um, that's what we did, you know, and that's that's where my basis for my love of horror comes from. So watching this, it was almost disappointing for me not to be able to get into it, um, especially with the quality of the actors. I mean, Ed Harris, Hal Holbrook, uh, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, Stephen King, Joe Hill as his, you know, his son who wrote uh, Black Phone, which was which I thought was a really good movie, a really good adapt adaptation. Um, it just didn't it just didn't get me there in the way that I thought it would. Um, I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I, and I get it's it's place in the the horror genre i get the importance of it um especially considering it has these big name actors who were willing to step in and be kind of silly you know get kind of outside of the serious roles or the comedic roles that they were normally used to because all that considered the the biggest comedic actor in the movie played the most serious role. Leslie Nielsen's character was the was the his jokes were not jokes. I mean he was he was having fun himself, but the fun wasn't for the camera. So, you know, his interactions with Ted Danson, to his credit, were very creepy. You know, you, you see him in Naked Gun, um, and and you know, the roles that he played in other movies where he's just kind of over the top walking around with the fart box, you know, he's just a joke guy. And then you see him in this role being a sociopath, basically. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of jarring. I mean, he did an incredible job of playing evil. Like at one moment there was a look on his face and it was like, he looks like he could be a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it has its moments, but overall I just, it didn't do it for me. I couldn't, I could not get into this film. As I've much got as I a, tried, as much as I wanted to. I've got a question for you, Kellen, because I'm I'm genuinely curious, uh, because there's so many of these films that you kind of come to later, already knowing kind of the legacy of it, right? That it's a classic for whatever reason. Do you think that makes it harder to appreciate it for what it is? 
No, no, because I go into I go into the movies like this with zero expectations. Like, you know, you see the 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 pictures from it, you you get the feel immediately because it is an 80s movie, so you, you you're automatically drawn into that 80s style of cinema. Um every decade had it, you know, you can almost close your eyes sometimes just to the soundtrack and oh, this is 60s, this is 50s, this is 70s, this is 90s. Um, especially because the 90s relied heavily on pop music. <laughs> so it's real yeah. easy to pick that out. Um, but, you know, the 80s had their same feel. Like I said, that music box sound that that um, Tales from the Crypt drew on, that this drew on, that, um, oh, what is it? Um, Puppet Master drew on heavily. Uh, um, so I go in knowing what it is, but not with any expectations. I'm not going in thinking, I'm ready to be entertained. I'm going in thinking, all right, let's see if this entertains me. Um, and it just, it just never, it never reached that point where I was like, okay, I'm in. Like we watched Trolls 2 and it was probably 10 minutes into that movie and I was hooked. I was like, okay, this is awful and I'm here for it. This to me was just awful. <laughs> uh, no one would describe it as awful. Like I'll give you a pass for not liking it because there's movies out there that I should like. Prime example, we've discussed Drag Me to Hell. I watched it start to finish for the first time this week. And I, I love Sam Raimi. And I don't care for that movie. I should. By all accounts, I should love that film. And I don't. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But there are films out there that you should like and you don't. So I, we'll give you a pass this time. But there's other movies that we will not give you a pass on for sure. <laughs> I won't name any yet. We're going to do an episode eventually where we just named the top 25 horror movies of all time and we're going to see if kellen has seen them and then we are going to berate him relentlessly <laughs> the entire episode that will that could, be that uh, could be a continuing series <laughs> good because there's a lot of classics that i've yet to see mm. so even though you didn't like it what would you say was your favorite segment of the film you know i i kind of go between the two that i mentioned I, I like the simplicity of their creeping up on you. It's basically him. You know, you see the mouth of the guy talking to him through the, the video peep hole or whatever. Um, and the voice is talking to him over the intercom, but it's mainly just him slowly descending into, you know, madness. So I, I did enjoy that one. I thought that was done really well. Uh, the progression of it was good. And, and then I liked the um, something to tide you over. Like I said, it just, it played really well. I didn't. I didn't like how it ended. I felt like that. That got a little cheesy. Um, I think it should have ended with Ted Danson because that's a beautiful. I would love to have that as a poster, <laughs> as creepy or um, subversive as that may sound. Having him underwater with the hair and the bubbles coming up and the sun behind him. I thought that was such a beautiful visual of um, his impending death. I would love to have that as a poster. Um, so th that visual in and of itself made that whole scene. Um, and then just seeing two actors who are more known for comedic roles play serious and play well. Um, so it would probably be a toss up between those two. But if I had to pick, I would probably pick uh, something to tide you over just because huge Ted Danson fan. Um, and then just to see Leslie Nielsen play evil <laughs> so well. Yeah, I think that's probably the best one overall. Um, my favorite is the Stephen King one. I just love that one so much. Like every every part of it, I adore. Um, John, I think you said it's tied your favorite. Yeah, that uh, probably that or the crate. It's a tie between those two. I just think those are both awesome segments. Yeah, Doctor, which one was your favorite segment of them? 
You know, when I was a kid, I always leaned towards the crate, but I think something tied you over has become my favorite over time. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, just something about, it, it's a more adult, a little bit more adult story. You know, you got a cheating, cheating uh, spouse, you've got, you know, the love triangle there and Leslie Nelson is so evil in it. He just revels yeah. doing these just absolutely horrible things, burying this guy up to his neck. So he drowns in the ocean. It's, it's, so just while he watches the woman drown on a TV in front of him, that's yeah, that's yeah. the definition of evil. <laughs> it's like a Saul movie before there was Saul. It, and you yeah, know, there's and, there's you know, an alternate ending to that too that was written. It's no, uh, really? yeah. So the alternate ending um, basically was that the cops come, he shows them footage, but it actually the footage is just him killing them. Basically, it doesn't show them coming back. And he goes to the gas chamber and he's in the gas chamber and the smoke's coming in and he does the whole, like, I can hold my breath for a long time. Like that was what they wrote. And then they changed it. I, th- I felt, think that would have been better. That feels for me. Tells the crypt to me. That sounds like yeah. it tells the, from the crypt episode, hundred percent. Well, oh, I yeah. absolutely <laughs> love the makeup on the, the waterlogged dead coming back to, to kill. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. And and Kalen hit on something that's really big in this movie, and that's the cinematography, just the look of it. There's so many gorgeous shots in this. Michael Gornick is the DP in this, who would go on to direct Creepshow 2, of course. And he just absolutely kills it with this movie. And somebody mentioned the music, too. I think, I, I think it I, well, I think it was Jay mentioned the music. Um, it is my one of my very favorite soundtracks. I bought it. Um, as soon as um, Waxwork put it out, I bought that vinyl for the soundtrack because I've always wanted to get that soundtrack. Uh, it's so iconic. I pick it up all the time. Anytime someone uses it in something, like you mentioned, I've heard it in two or three places and it, you know, it's just pick up on it immediately what it is. It's uh, John Harrison. You know, John Harrison would go on to direct um, um, Tales um, from the Dark Side movie, Dark Side, the movie, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Another, I I just love that whole Pittsburgh crew of filmmakers up there. It's like a family. It it really is. There's a little movie called I think it's called Special Effect or something like that. The one. Oh, yeah, that Mm -hmm. was uh, John Harrison's first project. And you know, there's just something about that little crew of filmmakers. I even watched Bill Heinzman's zombie flesh eater, flesh eater the other day. It's not a great movie by any. <laughs> but it's got a, something about a certain quality about it. it makes it watchable and enjoyable on a different level you're sitting there going this is not a good movie but there's something enjoyable about parts of it the parts that aren't complete remakes of the night of living dead were were kind of enjoyable but and to yeah. think that mr rogers gave them all their start right that's weird that's <laughs> wow thanks Jay, what was your favorite segment of the flick Man, I mean, I'll have to echo a lot of what you guys say in part is, I mean, something to tide you over is probably technically the best. However, as a young kid, my and someone who loves zombies and the Romero zombie films from a young age, uh, Father's Day has the most nostalgia for me. And that's still probably overall my favorite because it was my favorite as a kid and i watched this a lot as a kid uh even though i think technically the better story the better acted thing is something to tide you over however i will say what i think is the most terrifying 
because I hate roaches <laughs> is the uh, something to creep up on you or they're they're creeping up on you segment. I was um, when we were watching that episode last night that they could have stopped with the shot of the the old man dead inside that that sealed off room because they did this wide shot from of his body pitched back and then they they said no we're going all the way with it and then yeah, yeah, yeah. nice so the god bless him yeah. <laughs> i was thinking to myself you know if they had made this movie in the 70s or 60s that's what they would have done they would have yeah. just stopped there and it would have worked completely yeah but, and then cut to a dummy and no they showed the whole money shot the whole deal and that's what really blew my mind about this movie you get things like Man, this this shambling corpse ripped off somebody's head and serves it like a birthday cake on a platter. Cockroaches flooding out of the corpse of a dead person. A a, a monster in a crate that rips these people apart. I mean, it's all Tom Savini. (laughs) Yeah, good old Tom. And and I, something uh, else you said though, Doc, about the the cinematography. The thing I like about this movie, one of my favorite things about it is, I think more than any other horror anthology, it kind of created uh, with with some of their lighting effects and the way they framed backgrounds and stuff. They basically shot for shot recreated some panels from the old EC comics with the way they'd have like, uh, you know, our our. Uh, our logo for our show has kind of that that hypnotic kind of thing. You have some of those similar effects in the backgrounds and, and some of the weird like green lighting and stuff on some of the scenes and the reaction shots to make it look like a comic book panel like the EC Comics. And that's something I don't think any of the other really good horror anthologies that are, are based in these comics or, or the spirit of these comics at least – have really been able to pull off or pull off since. Well, and they lit it so heavily with the reds and blues and the transitions between yeah. the segments with the pages turning and the comic book panels. Mm-hmm. I've seen other movies try to do that. Well, the creep show TV series kind of yeah. it just misses the tone of the movie. It's its own thing. It misses the tone of the movie completely. And has right. it's okay. You know, it's all right. It's but just cheaper too. That's the biggest problem with the show. It is, but yeah. and they lean more into the comedy more than just kind of the dark, you know, the dark sensibility that that is tongue in cheek. Yeah. yeah, I love the show. Like I love the creep show. Uh, I like it too. On shutters, <laughs> I liked it a lot. So what, before we get to our race, TJ, you said like the nostalgia part is Father's Day. I'm the same way. That and the Stephen King uh, part are nostalgic for me but i think that's because that's about how far i could get before someone realized i was watching something i wasn't supposed to as a kid and then turned it off so that's like the stuff that's vivid in my mind for sure so uh we'll go around do our rankings then we'll close up shop um i thought about it i went back and forth i think i'm going to stick with four uh for myself four out of five uh john um probably 4.5 out of five just because wow. I just think, yeah, I mean, you and Kellen flip flop. <laughs> I just think, I know it's like this movie, I don't watch it all the time, but end to end, it really is kind of perfect. It's one of the earlier comic films in a way, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, it's, it's, it's often forgotten that it's a George Romero film, but it's one of his best. So yeah, 
4.5 out of 5 for sure. Fair. Doctor? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like the same way. I mean, on an enjoyment scale, it's like, you know, you, you, uh, am I rating for quality or am I rating for how much favorite? Like, there's a difference between – Overall. Your, oh, but overall, uh, I'll just give it a five. I'll go ahead and give it a five. That's fair. TJ? Well, one question for Doc. Is that original uh, creep show? We just kind of see it in the upper corner of your background. <laughs> That is, yeah. I have a, all my posters. Yeah, Very that's nice. that's a beauty. Yeah, I have a, I have a little, few little. I have a lot of anthology posters. That's my favorite subgenre. So yeah, it's it's one of mine too. And because it's one of mine, and this is one of the best, I have to give a four point five. I still reserve that five. I've only ever given John Carpenter's Halloween a five to this point. I that's that's my too. no. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> right, so that's it for the rankings what uh so we'll go oh oh wait i'm sorry kellen what, what did you give it no no you should skip me i don't, I, I don't want i don't it's want gonna, to ruin the grading right on a curve is just going to screw all the numbers up 2.5 3.5 2 2.5 oh jesus yeah blast jesus jesus well, on the five scale i think what a three would be an average movie so it's a little that's a six little, yeah that's not bad. two and a half is half is, is 50 percent yeah 50 percent yeah average it's got a 65 percent on rotten tomatoes so i'm not far off <laughs> what, what, what'd you give it doc i went ahead and went with five just because it's my favorite movie and right. i wanted to uh, course correct for kellen fair <laughs> fair <laughs> so that brings it to a 4.1 so that brings it to a four that's still that's fair He's even good. though someone knocked that number down that wasn't john this time <laughs> pretty fair come on <laughs> all right so uh, that's gonna do it for this episode be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel and to wherever you're listening to this podcast now uh, and follow us over on instagram uh, we post every day uh, my OCD makes me go photo real, photo real. So uh, you'll get a real tomorrow. Uh, we we're, we're currently doing the Troll Two episode, and I have like six reels. So we'll be doubling up on these because there's just so much quality content from <laughs> Troll Two and from George Hardy. Um, and remember, starting July 19th, which is in two days, we're going on Tingler Television. A month. This episode is coming out the week of. Thanks, Kellen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Shame. I'm just happy. I'm just Shame. happy to July be here. 19th, <laughs> July 19th. You can catch us on Tingler Television at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is on Roku. So be sure to do that. Um, uh, thanks uh, to Dr. Dan Green. Doc, Doc's us. got a Roku channel too. You want to plug that? Yeah. Doc? So yeah, go ahead, Doc. Tell everybody where they can find you, what you do, and all that good stuff. Yeah, host horror movies um comes on nashville's kneecat station in nashville uh obviously obviously on nashville um so it airs there saturday nights um at 9 p.m central in in the uh, nashville market they have a uh, roku channel that's a live stream of their station so just look up kneecat n-e-c-a-t and you can watch it there uh or you can find them on my website uh drgangry.com you can watch there Awesome. Um, so go check all that out. Subscribe to his channels. Watch that. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. It was great. Um, so that's going to do it. Signing off. I'm Jay with uh, Dr. Gang Green, John, Kellen, and TJ. And until next time. 
keep it spooky.